Good morning. Welcome to worship here. It is Sunday, the June, June the 13th here at Springfield Church of the Brethren. It is also graduation Sunday, so we will we'll have a, a time for that later, but I will invite you to check out your announcements area that does have a list of all the graduates connected to our congregation. Uh, reminder that district conference is coming up in just, wow, a little more than two months. Two months and one day. <laughs> we need volunteers, so if you are able to volunteer, please reach out to Sister Becky uh, and let her know what you can and are able to do. The uh, Sister Renee is looking for information uh, about what you as a congregation, as our group of um, feel about a church picnic this coming September. If you have an idea, of, let her know. Um, but we'd like to start gathering again for meals. Um, back to school blast also coming up in just a little while. And I'm going to probably be bringing these up until somebody tells me we've got all the volunteers needed. Softball today at 345 versus the Cornerstone Church. Uh, and we will be starting Zoom uh, Bible study again this Tuesday at 7 o'clock. We will actually be um, starting the seventh chapter um, this week, which is part of today's service. Are there any other announcements you'd like to share today? Good to know. Thank you, Renee. Uh, there will actually be a ballad in your um, bulletins in the next couple weeks uh, asking about the ice cream social and picnic. Well, as we move to a time where we share those things that weigh upon our hearts and those things that make our hearts sore, I do have uh, one personal prayer request. Um, Brian Burt, who is the program director at Camp Blue Diamond, where my parents are, uh, this week his father, who had Parkinson's, uh, fell down the stairs and passed away shortly after. So please hold the Burt family in your prayers as they, they, they were expecting this loss, but it still happened quickly and painfully. Bernita, sorry, I didn't see your hand. Of course. So, so praise that your brother Brian continues to get better in his progress. Um, it is probably best that he did not attempt the drive all the way in from Virginia. Um, but I'm glad that he's feeling like that is a possibility and not an impossibility anymore. And prayers for, for Dave, who had a stroke this last week. Um, has lost sight in one eye and is having issues with balance now. So we continue holding Eric, who's had jaw cancer, in our prayers. And I'm really sorry to hear that due to human mistakes, human error, 
it's not alleviating his pain or assisting his treatment, but rather holding it back and causing him more pain. I am sorry to hear that. A thank you from our brother Jim for the deacons and all they've done to help and assist um, he and Pat through meals. And I'm guessing, I know, I've been on the phone with Pat a few times. I'm guessing I'm not the only person who has called and had some nice long conversations. I'm glad to hear. Our deacon team is wonderful. They have wrapped their arms around many of us who are dealing with struggles right now. Thank you so much, deacons. Ooh. <laughs> Janice, we are so happy that your eye is doing better, that the surgery went well. And as I will reiterate this for everyone else out there, if you have eye surgery, perhaps avoid super cold, like frozen style drinks, as a brain freeze after eye surgery is far worse than a regular one. <laughs> Good things to know that I would never have known. So prayers for the, the Boswell family. We know this has been a road that has been longer than it should have. But we are so happy you're getting to this next point and our prayers are with you as you're going into the legal processes and that everything will be done soon. As a joy. <laughs> so prayers for Don and Jade as they head out to Colorado. Are you guys driving or flying? Okay. It is a bit of a drive. Uh, as, they drive as they fly out to Colorado and prayers for Mike as he goes and preaches with some of our brothers and sisters at other congregations. You're a wonderful speaker. You'll do great, Mike. But we will miss your presences back there. And as Mike said, if you have any questions or whatnot for our sound and, uh, and visual, ask uh, the worship team, not them. <laughs> if you'll join me in the call to worship then. God, we struggle with what it means to be your followers. We bend your words to justify your actions. Our lips may praise Jesus, but our hands reject God's call. We ignore the sins that harm our community. Our wish is for peace, not righteousness. Work on our hearts, Lord. Wash away false and harmful dogma. Work on our hearts, Lord. Fill us with courage and strength. Lord, bring us back to the core of your teachings to love you, our neighbors, and ourselves. Help us to understand the meaning of such love. Let us join together in prayer. God of justice and grace, we have perverted your way at times. We have substituted our ways and called them yours. Untwist our hearts, destroy the lives, lies we have told ourselves, and make us into better followers of your way. 
we have, you have blessed us with life, with these bodies. We want to honor these gifts and show your love to the world. God of grace and justice, open our eyes more clearly to you. Amen. If you'll please join me in prayer. Holy One, we gather here on this bright, sunny morning to contemplate your ways, to grow, to learn, to become more your children. But Lord, we come into this place not unburdened, we come carrying in the concerns of the world outside. Concerns for brothers and sisters, for friends, and those who we don't even know. Lord, today we lift up the Burt family and the Young family. We lift up Dave and Eric. We ask that you are with them as they deal with tragedies 
and hold them close. We ask that you are with them as bodies heal and struggle too. Lord, we thank you for those who have gone through trials and our bodies are healing and getting better. We thank you for Pat and Brian and Janice. We ask for strength for them as they continue this walk. We ask that you walk with brothers and sisters as they go out into this world. We ask for strength for the Boswells. We ask for protection for Don and Jane. And we pray that the word lives strongly in our brother Mike. We thank you for this community, this community that holds us up when our hearts are broken and helps us get through things. Help us to open our eyes to them and realize the part they've played. Holy One, Holy Three, we come here to learn to live in this world. Fill us with the power. Fill us with the courage. And fill us with comfort. Amen. I would like to invite our sister Becky to come forward um, to celebrate our graduates today. Good morning. Um, we have uh, six graduates that we would like to um, recognize today. Uh, Ethan Usselton is graduated from Towpath High School. Josh Davis graduated from Springfield High School. Um, Seth Trent graduated from Springfield High School. Uh, Samantha Davis graduated from Kent State with a bachelor's degree of science and is working in Virginia in a national park. Uh, Savannah Mills graduated from Kent State University. And Cameron Cohen graduated from Ohio State with an engineering degree, and he is currently working in Washington, D.C. So um, I have some advice for our graduates. And this was taken from Grace Christian School from their graduation. A lot of good advice. Be respectful, kind, and smile at everyone you meet. People will remember how you made them feel. Kindness is free to give, and a smile is the only gift you can give that no one can refuse. Cherish your friendships. Social media has cheapened the word friend. Your true friends know your history and the context in which you experience your life. Know the difference between a hobby and an occupation. It is great to like uh, to paint still life objects, but unless you can support yourself, it's best to have a backup plan. If you have the right backup plan, you can still have your hobbies. Do not settle. Steve Jobs was fired from Apple and created a company called Pixar, then returned to Apple. Michael Jordan was cut from his basketball team, 
but went on to become the greatest basketball player in history. Do not lose faith and do what you love. Use constructive criticism to better yourself. Take what your teachers, your professors, or your employers say and use it constructively. They are only trying to help you learn. Do not sweat the small stuff. Matthew 6, 33-34. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow. For tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. And this last little piece of advice is pretty important. Always remember where you came from. You may settle anywhere in the United States or out of our country, but you are still part of Springfield Church of the Brethren, and we will always want to hear from you and will remember you in our prayers. In Isaiah 48, verses 17, verse 17, this is what the Lord says, your Redeemer, the Holy One of Israel, I am the Lord your God, who teaches you what is best for you, who directs you in the way that you should go. So we do have two graduates that are with us this morning, and I'm going to ask them to come up and just give us a brief, um, you know, kind of talk about what they're going to do in the future. So Seth and Savannah, come on up. And also, um, I have, for the ones that are not here, I have graduate cards in the back on the table. Would you please pick them up? Uh, Donna, would you p please pick up Josh and Samantha? So, um, like Becky said, I graduated from Springfield High School. Um, I actually graduated third in my class, really close to being uh, first or second there. Um, and I'm going to Kent State in the fall. Uh, I'll be getting a degree in business management. Um, I had plans to continue my degree to get my master's in business administration. Thank you. So, I graduated from Kent State um, with a public health degree. I'm actually not going to be using that degree. I'm going to go to Kent State for their accelerated nursing program. Um, in the beginning of January, and then that'll be for 15 months, and then I plan to go to grad school and then to be a nurse anesthetist. Congratulations. <laughs> and Pastor Andrew's going to say a prayer. Could I invite, um, could I invite the families to come up, please? As they're able. Yeah, you thought you got to. Grandmas and grandpas are allowed too, <laughs> if they wish. Could I have you two step down just one lane or one step and have them come up above you? I invite you to, to lay a hand on the shoulder of your loved one as we pray. God, we are entering a moment of transition for these, our loved ones as they transform from one state to another, as they move upward in life. We pray for our graduates 
as they make these next steps, that you walk with them and give them clear eyes and clear minds. We know that life is not always simple and that complexities will arise when we least expect them. But we know in you and with the support of family and friends that we can go through them all. Help those as they step out into this new world to know that you are there walking with them and that they have the support and love of those here and beyond that they can always turn to and know that they have a safety net, a shoulder to lean on, an ear that's open. Lord God, walk with them and bless them on their journeys. Amen. Congratulations. And I just got to share this. Seth was one, Seth was one of my third graders. <laughs> um, we usually have a reception downstairs for the graduates. Um, today we are not going to go downstairs. We do have cupcakes, so please, before you um, leave the sanctuary, help yourself with some cupcakes. <laughs> I'd appreciate that. I guess that means there are cupcakes underneath the, uh, the awning out here then. When planning to do a large section of scripture, this sometimes means that you have to encounter things that you would not normally preach on. I think that could be fair to say about today's section. There are certainly parts in here I had never really planned on preaching on, but we can't ignore them. They are, after all, a part of the Bible. Though before we get too far into this, I will add at the end of the Dear Paul letter, there is a postscript, a PS. Um, it involves a story about somebody doing something immoral. And we don't really know much about it beyond what Paul writes back about. So I've taken one of the kind of prevailing theories and used that as, as a material to write with. I will also give the warning that, as you will hear, and I'm going through this encountering difficult text section that today's subjects will include some more adult subjects than I usually would choose to stand up here and talk about. Now, to read the Bible is to open yourself to being challenged. Challenged to be a better person, to look at the world from God's point of view, and sometimes to be challenged to really question what exactly is good and what exactly is bad. Today's chapters, the fifth through seventh of the first Corinthians letters, is one of those sections that really leads us to question where exactly that line is. It's one of the more complicated ones to preach about. 
It deals with adult topics like sex, abusive relationships, power dynamics, divorce, personal rights, and even slavery. We all know that living in this world is complex and seldomly has easy answers. Often what we perceive as being that hard, bright line that separates good from sin, we end up realizing is a shade of lines where you're never quite sure how far you have crossed over until it's already far too late. It has led to thousands of years of thinking, thinkers pondering and considering what exactly God meant through the authors. It has also led to thousands of years of people using these scriptures to make an argument one way or the other, trying to contextualize and trying to read in their own experience. The pursuit of this clarification will not end today. In fact, I doubt it will end before Jesus returns. Instead, we must continue to study and pray and attempt to square the reality of our lived world with the words as they appear on the page. At times, this practice may lead us to better and deeper understandings of Christ and God's way. And other times, it's simply us deluding ourselves so that we feel better. This is our struggle and our call. As we encounter Paul today, we will hear some of his own personal views leak into his words of advice and direction. We must remember that Paul was a man of his day and time and place. Paul was also a man of his own specific leanings. Paul didn't like marriage. He didn't like it at all. He chose a celibate life and he encouraged everyone else to join him. But he recognized that not all could live with his lifestyle. Paul also believed that the end times were around the corner. And for that reason, among many others, marriage was a useless topic or a useless thing to engage in, since, after all, the world was about to end. Paul was also ahead of his times. He argued for equality in the bedroom at a time when women were considered very, not very much better than slaves. He was also similarly progressive when it came to divorce, in a time when divorce was usually used by men as a weapon against women who that didn't correctly, as they thought, follow what their husbands wanted. Because if they were divorced, they would be left destitute. But in today's world, Paul often seems restrictive and cruel. I have a distant family member who I know was repeatedly denied divorce by her church family, by the elders. She wanted to leave her husband, who was physically, emotionally, and mentally abusive towards her. He refused the change, and the church elders told her, well, this is your cross that you must bear. She did have a happy ending when she decided to disregard the church, leaving it and divorcing him and later meeting the love of her life. So as we encounter today, 
as we encounter Paul today, struggle and grow. Raise up your concerns to God in prayer and listen to the still small voice of the Holy Spirit that continues to talk to us even in these days. I pray if you hear the words that you will continue to grow in God's ways, remembering that you are a beloved child of God. And we are all works in progress, even Paul. So then, dear Paul, to Paul, our brother in Jesus who led us into new covenant with God, we, the believers, assembly of Corinth, greet you in Ephesus, who brought us to Christ and pray that you continue to grow the church daily in your travels and preachings. We praise God for bringing us together, for giving us new life in the name of the Son, Lord Jesus the Christ. We praise God for adding to our numbers daily in raising our situation, which is now far above where we first began. We ask that God continues to bestow his gifts upon us and that the Holy Spirit continues to live in us so that we may walk faithfully in our calls. Amen. Now, Brother Paul, we have written to you as we struggle with several ethical problems in our community about marriage. We know that we have been reborn in Christ. Some have argued since we are reborn, that means our old lives and all the trappings of them have been washed away. And that includes our relationships, such as marriages. Some wish to divorce their spouses. Some wish their spouses because they are not believers. Some wish to divorce their spouses simply because, even though both are believers, some want to divorce their spouses to marry others, and some wish to live celibately, dedicating their, their selves to the way. But not all agree, and many say that the rules of divorce stand, extend from our old lives and into our new lives, and it would be sinful to leave. Others are questioning whether we should allow young folks to our young folks or our widows and widowers to marry. They say the day of the Lord will soon be upon us, and we should be concentrating on God's coming, not finding spouses or relationships. There are some who demand that married members choose celibate relationships. There are even members of couples in which one wishes to choose celibacy and the other does not. Rabbi Paul, please, please tell us what you think, as your words mean a great deal to us. Your friends in the risen Jesus, the Christ's assembly of Corinth. Pi Sigma, Brother Paul, I'm adding this postscript, as I think it's, the mo it's most important that you understand all of the problems that we're dealing with here in Corinth. And I know that my brothers and sisters who helped craft the first part of the letter would not be happy with me if they knew this, but they really cannot continue to ignore the problems. You see, there is a wealthy brother who has married his widowed stepmother. He argues that since he came into Christ, that their previous relationship no longer matters. 
and as a Christian, he has gained new life. But it doesn't even end there. There are others that continue to visit the pagan temple prostitutes, despite the fact that they are now believers. They believe that since they are sanctified, they are completely free of sin, and their actions no longer matter, since they are sin-free. They also claim that since the end days are near, and that these physical bodies will be taken away, what they do with them doesn't matter, and they can just enjoy themselves. And lastly, Brother Paul, there's been a rash of lawsuits within the church. Brothers suing brothers and sisters for real and perceived wrongs. They have taken them before the public judges. They refuse to extend grace, and the elders here in the church refuse to mediate. We have become a spectacle to the unbelievers. Brother Paul, again, I apologize. I apologize again and again, for this should not be laid at your feet, and especially in such a covert manner. But I have raised my voice again and again, and it has fallen on deaf ears. And maybe your voice could conjole them to action. Your servant, Telemachus. Starting with chapter 5. Sisters and brothers of Corinth, there are larger problems rising among you than simply the fact that you are choosing leaders and dividing yourselves. There is a moral issue so large and obvious that even those pagans out there who worship wood and stone would recognize this as sin and condemn it. So tell me, why is there a member of the church sleeping with his father's wife, his stepmom? This is universally recognized as wrong, as sinful. It's, I don't care why he's doing it. I don't care if he's doing it for love or lust or finances. Frankly, I don't give up. I don't care. It doesn't matter if I'm with you in person or just in spirit. Even all the way over here, it's obvious to me what should be done. So I'm telling you, gather the assembly together. I will be with you in spirit, and the power of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ will be there as well. Then hand this man over to the Satan. Perhaps his worldly urges of lust and avarice will be curtailed and destroyed when he realizes where sin has led him. Then maybe, just maybe, on the day of the Lord, he will achieve salvation. But even if that doesn't happen, at the very least, you are cleansing the assembly of his worldly, fleshy sin so that you can stand upright before God on Jesus' return. Frankly, I'm embarrassed for you. You boast over and over again about how wise you are and how you are filled with the Spirit and you can make the right judgments. But you can't even handle so simple a problem. Are you afraid of him? Do you give him a pass because he's your best buddy? Or did he bribe you to look the other way? 
It doesn't matter if he pays the bills for the church. It doesn't matter if he sits as a board chair. And it doesn't matter if he's your best friend since kindergarten. Don't you know that one bad apple spoils the barrel? So toss out the old evil yeast. Celebrate a Passover. Start anew. Christ is our Passover lamb. Let us not spoil this new covenant with God, with old bread, malice, um, leavened with malice and wickedness, but with the unleavened bread of sincerity and truth. I told you again and again in my previous letter not to associate with sexually immoral people. Not at all meaning, though, the people of the world outside. I mean, you can't get away from those who are sexually immoral, those who are greedies or swindlers or idolaters. That would be impossible. You would have to move off of the planet. And even then, I'm not sure you could get away from them. Somehow, though, you have taken this piece of advice and you have applied it to everyone outside. You have had harsh words and you have looked down on them for their immorality while ignoring the putrid abscess of immorality that has existed within. Let me be 100% absolutely clear, so clear that the person sitting in the back of the, of the group while this letter is being written, read, will get off of their phones and social media and hear this. Do not associate with anyone who claims Christ but continues to be a sexually immoral or greedy or an idolater or a slanderer or a drunkard or a swindler. Don't let them be there. I am not the judge of the world. God did not send me to condemn or condone that which happens outside of the church but we are but are we not supposed to judge those within god will concern himself with what happens outside the walls but we must concern ourselves with what happens within because we will need to stand up together before the lord on the last day and yet you continue to embarrass yourselves you claim to be sanctified you claim that you know right from wrong and that you can judge those outside. And then you outsource your own judgments to them. Or do you not know that the Lord's people will judge the world? And if you are to judge the world, are you not competent to judge trivial cases? Do you not know that we will judge the angels? How much more the things of this trivial life? Those outside our community scorn us. They look down on Christ's way. Their judges, you know, are easily swayed by money and influence. Justice to them is that which pads their wallets and feeds their stomachs. The poor and oppressed have no rights before them. They can only speak if they are called by their masters or by those with wealth and influence. The same men who pay the judges for their time in the first place. Is there not a single person in your church who is just and fair? Really? Is there not a single person you would say is wise? 
Why do you boast, brothers and sisters? Why do you boast of being wise? And while your, others are, while your other sisters and brothers are taken by believers before the courts of the unbelievers, it's obvious to me that you have failed. You have defeated yourselves. If you have been wronged, why not just say, oh, well, lesson learned. Mistakes happen. It was my mistake. It was their mistake. I extend forgiveness. I extend grace. Did you think Jesus was joking when he said, turn the cheek? Do you know what grows from injustice? Only more injustice. Your actions will only breed more sin. And don't you know that the way of Jesus is not sin? Those who abuse and take advantage of others and themselves aren't allowed through the gates of the kingdom. But you were washed. You were sanctified. You were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ by the Spirit of our God. For heaven's sakes, don't fall back into damaging ways. I'm going to mock you a little bit. That's why I'm going to write it like this. But wait, you say, I have the right to do anything. I was sanctified in Christ. I am free of sin. And all things I do must therefore not be sinful. Look, just because you can do anything does not mean you should do everything. Yes, I could step into a bear trap. I am free to do it. It doesn't mean I should step into a bear trap. <laughs> but then you say, why does it matter? This world will soon be destroyed. Food of the stomach and the stomach for food and God will destroy both. Why should I, why shouldn't we do whatever we want with these bodies? Because since God will get rid of them on the final days. Uh, look, your bodies were not meant for abuse. They were not created for sexual immorality. They were made by the creator for the creator. You are reflections of the father, the same father who raised the Lord Jesus from the dead bodily and who will one day raise you up as well. You are not just spirit. You are not just flesh. You are both. And how you treat one affects the other. You are members of Christ himself. This church is his physical manifestation here on earth. Your body is Christ. And therefore your body is a part of Christ and Christ is a part of it. Would you have Christ united with the prostitutes at the pagan temple? I don't think so. Don't take physical relationships lightly. They are more than simple pleasures. When two become one flesh, they are uniting also in spirit. And you have already united with Jesus. And so you carry Christ into every relationship you have. So run. Don't walk. Run from immorality. This is a special kind of sin, a sin against the body, the body that God has crafted and given to you out of love, being used for lust, is like spitting in the creator's face. 
So care for your gift. Keep it holy, for it is a dwelling place of the Holy Spirit, a temple. Walk proudly in that temple, showing off God's great gift, and let none sully it, most of all yourself. For you belong to God. Honor God with your bodies. As we've already been talking about the place of sex in the life of a Christian, I think I need to discuss with all those questions that you've raised to me in the first part of your letter. Is it a good thing to even have sexual relations? My answer is yes. But, okay, look, I know that desire can be strong. And this is a world in which many people act upon these urges and abuse others and themselves, even those they claim that they love. It is, a, uh, it is against this kind of perversion that I have warned you. This abuse of the gift of your body and the gift of other people's bodies. Marriage is a remedy to that, a mutual agreement between partners. It is in each, each person is to work for the mutual satisfaction of the other. A place where each acts as a servant to the other, just as Christ acted as a servant for us. Sex within this union is a good thing and should not be used as a weapon against the other. Though if both partners wish to abstain and focus on prayer for a time, that's okay. But be aware of yourself. Be aware of your physical needs and don't let it become an opportunity for evil to creep in and create sin. I wish you could all just abstain as I do, to live a life of celibacy. It's frankly the best option. But I understand that you're not all like me, and that's not necessarily a great option for you. Each of us must live with who God made us and make the best use of those gifts. I say this to those who have never been married or to those who are widows and widowers. Perhaps it's better if you follow my way of celibacy. But if that's not your thing and you burn with passion, then marry. If you are married, remain so. If you are separated, work towards reconciliation. Marriage is a serious commitment. Serious commitment. Marriage is a serious commitment, and so is divorce. Don't break your vows over inconsequential problems. And if reconciliation doesn't work, then remain single and separated. If a believer is married to a non-believer, don't leave over that simple difference. You are united with your spouse, and your souls are one. They are already one with Christ, and that means the unbeliever may achieve salvation through the believer. But if the unbelieving spouse is the one who leaves, do your best to live in peace with it. Perhaps your actions will lead them to Christ. You are not released from your marriage commitments just because you found Christ. Live your life as a believer right where you are. Those believers who were circumcised before being called, can you erase that? 
Neither should the circumcised be circumcised because God doesn't care whether you are married to a believer or an unbeliever. God cares about you following Christ's teacher, Christ's teachings. Each person should remain in that same situation they were called into and work within it. If you can make your situation better, great. A slave shouldn't turn down freedom when it's obtainable. But don't stress over it, for who knows what work God will do with you in your current life. Lastly, to those of you who have never been in a relationship, married or not, I have no explicit directions from God, only this advice. It is better not to marry considering all things. This age will soon come to an end. And if you are attached to worldly things, carrying those worldly things through the transformation will be more painful. I'm only wishing your lives to be easier in the coming days. For it's not far off. It would be easier to let go of those earthly attachments now than in the trials. If you are, always, if you are married, you'll always split yourself between concern of God and concern for your spouse. If you are single, you can concentrate only on God. And is it not best to concentrate on Jesus? Look, I won't keep beating this drum. So I'll say this one last time. If you really want to marry and your passion is too hot to control, marry. If you can control it and you think it's best not to, then don't. So then he who marries the virgin does right. But he who does not marry her does better. If your spouse dies, then do as you wish. If you marry again, make it a believer. In my judgment, you are happier if you stay as you are. And that I think I too have the spirit of God. Thank you.
I can't tell you how happy I am that next week is about food and community. <laughs> Today's reading is not a comfortable one for me, as I said. It's not one that I necessarily always agree with what Paul says. But Paul speaks out of a place of love for the entire community and trying to figure out what best is the path forward for them. I named this the Goldilocks faith. That's what I titled it. Because what seemed to be the problem happening in the Corinthian church at the time is they were taking little bits of teachings and taking them to the extreme one way or the other. And Paul had to keep dragging them back towards the middle, saying the extremes aren't where it's supposed to be. I think that's something we can continue to work with and struggle with in the days like today and going forward. How are we taking our faith too far? That we're going beyond what God actually asked us to do into something that we want it to work like because that's more comfortable. I struggle with some of the lines that Paul laid down. And as I said in the opening part, I frankly don't agree with him in all of them. I'm sure we have all experienced parts of our lives where we may hear the words in the Bible, but we struggle with how that applies to our world. So as you go out this week, hopefully not too uncomfortable by the words today, but I hope you're just uncomfortable enough that you take the time to really think and struggle with Paul and what he's trying to give to the Corinthians and why that, that scripture still appears in our word today, what God is trying to tell us through Paul. I'm not sure there's an easy answer, but we get to struggle with it, and that's okay. So go out into this world and struggle with God a little bit. Be like Israel, he who struggles with God. Good luck and all men. Thank you.